The reading for this morning is taken from Second Peter, the second letter of Peter, verse, uh, chapter 3, the verses 1 to 18. And you'll be able to find that on page 1397 of your pew Bible. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in, which, in, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be reminded of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your st own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. This morning we'll be focusing on the passage that will be our home visit theme for the year as well. And that's 2 Peter 3, the verses 13 and 14. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking towards these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. The word of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we enter now a new home visit season, a season in which the elders will be going from door to door, visiting and 
walking alongside the families that are in this congregation, we'll reflect this year on how we live in a day and age in which the world is groaning under the weight and the consequences of sin. In the beginning, God created everything good and pure. Man was the crowning perfection of the created world. And then, by our rebellion against God, we welcome sin into the world. Sin spread its darkness over the entire world, corrupting man's relationship with God and also his relationship with all of creation. Not only did he reap death as a consequence of his rebellion against God, but the earth itself revolted against mankind in his position as steward under God. No longer could he easily till the ground, harvest crops, or feed his family. Instead, as part of the consequence of the curse, thorns and thistles grew up around him. Weeds now threatened to choke out his harvest, and his work in this world became work by the sweat of his brow. Every season became a struggle. Every year, the question arose, would this be the season that his work failed his family? We can still see the effects of the fall in our world today. Droughts ravaged this part of the world this summer, resulting in fierce forest fires all across North America. Farmers had to dip into their stores to feed their cattle. And many went even as far as selling their cows because they couldn't afford the feed. Spinning the globe around to view it from the other side, we heard of floods sweeping away people's houses and their livelihoods in India and in the rest of Asia. Mudslides and torrential rain made life incredibly difficult for countless numbers of people. And we look at this, and we look at the wars in the Middle East and the economic collapse of Venezuela, resulting in thousands of people, tens of thousands of people starving, and countless other things. And it's on hearing tragedy after tragedy that we are brought to say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. With all of this happening in the world around us, and with this cry on our lips for the Lord to return and bring to an end all of the suffering and sorrow that we see around us, it makes the home visit passage chosen this year incredibly appropriate. And so today we will examine this passage in Second Peter under the theme, The Return of Christ. Are you living in light of it? And we'll see, first of all, looking according to his promise, and second, looking to be found blameless. The new world that we look to is founded on a promise. Once man sinned and the world fell into pieces around him, God was there right away with the seed of that promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman, he said to the devil, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We read these words in Genesis 3 verse 15. And in this way he declared to Adam and all the world that while Satan seemed to have gained the upper hand for a time, God would still win in the end. 
That declaration rang throughout history from the lips of prophets and priests until the arrival of the promised one, Jesus Christ. The promised one has now come and gone up into heaven. He took care of everything on earth that he came to do, but on leaving he gave us another promise. That in him things are established and certain and true now. In him we can have the assurance that we are looking ahead to a new heaven and a new earth when all will be restored to paradise. But that is not yet the world we live in. We're called to live in this world while looking ahead to the new one, looking according to his promise, as the, as the Apostle Peter puts it. And that's an important distinction to remember. It's an important point that we have to reflect on. Why? Well, consider this for a moment. This world that we live in today is fallen. This world is broken. This is not the ideal world that we would love to live in. There are many ways in which we can see this in our lives. We look at our spouses and we see that they may not treat us the way they should. We look at our parents and see where they've fallen short in our lives. We look at our bosses, our teachers, and our boyfriends and girlfriends, and, and time and time again we see that our world is not ideal. What's mankind's natural reaction to this? Natural man's reaction is to groan and to complain, to declare that we're being treated unfairly, to tell the world that it is less than perfect, and to tell everyone in it that they don't measure up to our standards because our standards are high to satisfy our needs and our wants. Now, is it a bad thing to have high standards? Of course not. God calls us to follow Christ and to live Christ-like lives. A Christ-like life is a life of perfection. We read in Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 2, Be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But, is this a call, but this is a call for each of us to examine ourselves. So what about the world around us? What about when we try to live in a Christ-like way, but are hurt by those around us because of it? The Spirit also teaches us in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 to 14, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. When we groan and we complain in our situation, we're telling everyone that we're surprised to see that this world is less than perfect. 
We're telling them that we expected more of this world. You can see this in something as simple as someone at a job site. Many of you will have that one person who groaned and complained all the day long about the heat and the sweat of the sun. The breaks are too short, and he personally thinks that the boss pushes too hard. No one else complains or seems to have a problem with the work, but this one person does. Now, what's the difference between these workers? The one worker decided that his job and his job site didn't measure up to what he had expected. The other workers expected to need to work hard, and they accepted it. It just comes with the territory of an outdoor job. They don't think it's strange because they knew up front what they were getting into with that line of work. It's physical labor. It's hot. And they're dealing with it by working faithfully as working for the Lord, not complaining or arguing. Likewise, in Peter, God tells his people that this world is not perfect, this world is not ideal, and the life that we live in it is not easy. Christ said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Don't be surprised when this world is plagued by sorrow and suffering, especially when it kicks up into high gear in these last days. These are the consequences of sin and the work of the devil. And the devil will use every bit of sorrow in the world to try bring you down. The world will turn against you. You will be victimized. It's to be expected in this world. It's not okay. It's never okay. And it should be confronted in a Christian way when it happens. But it should never come as a surprise to the Christian that it does happen. So, where do we go then? God calls us to recognize the brokenness in this world for what it is, the consequences of his sin. And then he calls us to look to the promise of Christ, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and then to follow Jesus. This is what Paul calls his readers to do. He knows their suffering. The weight of persecution on them is heavy. But we do not find it to be unexpected. Nor are we suffering for ourselves. If our suffering is for striving to be Christ-like in the face of pain and injustice, then our suffering is for God's glory. And so we can rely on that promise that He gives, a promise of sharing in a future glory, in a world that is perfect, where all things will be right, a glory in which we are, that we already taste in part through Christ, when He gives us, His chosen people, the forgiveness of sins, and the strength in the Spirit to be like Him and to follow Him. When He gives us a selfless love towards our spouse, not just in words, but in actions, we can see this. We can see this when He gives us respect towards those in authority, to, in authority over us, not because they deserve it, 
but because they have been instituted by God. When He gives us serving hearts towards our neighbors, not just those who can repay us, but most especially those who cannot. And most of all, when He gives us endurance to the last, far beyond when we ourselves would fail, because He is at work in us by the power of His Spirit. We read in Romans 8, verse 18 and following, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, even when we see all of these disasters happening in this world around us, we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, within ourselves, eagerly wait for adoption, the redemption of our body. If we focus on joy in our earthly relationships as the end goal, we're not looking to the end goal that Christ has promised us if we're looking for complete fulfillments in any part of our life, in the here and now, any earthly thing, we are looking for something outside of what Christ has promised. But if we look to Christ in this world and we rely on His promise, we rely on the promise that He will carry His own to the end, that He will watch over them and care for them, then we will be able to carry through this world, which is not a world of perfection. We will be able to walk through this world that's full of sorrow and brokenness, and we will be able to live in hope of the promise of a new heavens and a new earth, the home of righteousness. He promises us a world that is yet coming, which we're only tasting in part here. And so daily in preparation for this world, we're being renewed and shaped and formed. And as Christ transforms us from who we were, it lets us see with hopefulness what we can become in Him. And this brings us to our second point, looking to be found blameless. In verse 14 of our passage, Peter writes, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without, without spot and blameless. How can Peter call us to be found blameless? To understand what exactly Peter is driving at, let's take a moment to look at a phrase which is common in churches today. In fact, it's common all over the Western world today. And that's the phrase, come as you are. 
Come as you are was in some ways the call of Jesus Christ to all of his people. It didn't matter if they were sinners, prostitutes, wise old scribes, proud Pharisees, or simple little children. He brought them all equally the good news of the gospel. He didn't require them to come with a certain level of understanding or holiness before coming to him in repentance of faith. Jesus Christ just sent out the call and expected them to hear, to listen. But he didn't leave it at that. Instead, on calling them to himself, he followed it up by saying to them, follow me. There's a view in our world today that come as you are means stay as you are. Stay in your brokenness. Stay in your bitterness towards those around and stay in your enslavement to sin. This struggle of the Christian faith is almost entirely replaced with the words, God is for you. God is with you. God wants what's best for you. God is on your side. Now that's not wrong. God is indeed for us. As the Apostle Paul writes, if God is for us, who can be against us? But if we leave it at that, and we never speak about the struggle of the Christian life, we're leaving out a very important part of our Christian walk. And this is especially true as we live in these last days looking towards Christ's return. We are looking for the dawning of a new world. We are striving towards a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. We are relying on that hope of that world which will come when Jesus Christ returns. And so in this time, we're called to turn to the Lord in repentance for our sinful walk of life. And in the newness of life God gives, we are called to stand up and fight. We're not called as drowning men being told to get up and walk on water. But rather, a theologian who is long passed on put it well when he put it in these words. He says, Run, John, run, the law demands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. In the newness of life that God gives us, He grants us His Holy Spirit to give us the strength to follow Him. He washes us clean in His Son to give us a clean slate, a slate that will be forever clean in our pursuit of Him. And because of that, And because of the Spirit who works within us, we recognize that it's not come as you are and stay as you are. And it's not the words that we find earlier in in 2 Peter 3 where there are scoffers who carry on walking according to their own lusts. Not worrying about the future that will come. But rather the life of the Christian in these final days as we look forward to the glorious return of Christ is come as you are that you may be changed. We were dead and we've now been made alive again. 
But this new life doesn't mean that we become puppets, dead things dancing on strings. Having been brought to life, we are filled with His Holy Spirit and we are brought to act. We are brought to follow Him. We read about this in the Canons of Dort, chapter 3, 4, article 11. By the working of the Holy Spirit, God opens the closed and softens the hard heart. He makes the will which was dead alive, which was bad good, which was unwilling willing, and which was stubborn obedient. He moves and strengthens it so that, like a good tree, it may be able to produce the fruit of good works. Having the power of Christ within us, we are now equipped to bring the good works, to bear the fruit of good works that God calls us to. This is what many have professed at your profession of faith. And what our brother Calvin de Vries will, Lord willing, profess this afternoon as well. Christ is at work in you and he's alive in you. You've publicly confessed that it's your desire to live out what Christ has done in your heart and that you'll make every effort to follow him in the strength that he gives you. Now this isn't something that earns salvation for a believer, but it is a call that the believer will hear and listen to. It's the call of Jesus who has brought salvation for his people, who has granted them the promise that he'll be with them to the end until the new heavens and the new earth are brought in, and who then declares to them, follow me. How this all works together, God's sovereignty and yet his call to obey at the same time is a wonderful and powerful mystery. And yet we do find it there in Scripture. Those two truths side by side. We read in Canons of Dort 3.4, Article 12, the will so renewed is not only acted on and moved by God, but acted upon by God, the will itself also acts. And it goes on to say, therefore man is rightly said to believe and to repent through the grace he has received. Now it's in light of that, and in light of what God has done with us and in us, that it is possible for Peter to write to his readers, be diligent to be found without blame. The NIV 84 says it especially well. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Not as something we've earned, not as something by which we earn something, but as one who is striving to live out the promise of the new world that's already given to him or her in part. This is what Christ has bought for us in his sacrifice on the cross. And this is why he placed his Holy Spirit within us. This is why God placed us in a community with elders and deacons over us and with the body of Christ around us to love us and to welcome us, to come alongside us in our journey towards this new world, the home of righteousness. The days are short. The days are short. We don't come as we are in order to stay as we are. There's no time for that. Time is growing short and we are in the last days. And so we come as we are that we might be changed. And we strive for this change so that we can have the greatest possible impact in this world for the sake of the kingdom of God and His glory.
Let us take this opportunity to redeem the times in our lives, to make the most of every part of life, to serve in God's kingdom. Yes, there is suffering, but we look forward to that promise of the final day. There will come a day when this heaven and earth that were created in the beginning by the word of God will be brought to renewal by that very same word. The elements will melt in the heat and then be reformed into something new and perfect. Yes, the elements will melt in the flame. Yes, it will be broken down, but then it will be reformed. This world which had fallen under man has been redeemed under the new and better representative of humanity, Jesus Christ. And so we too who have been redeemed under Him. Let us repent and believe in Him, in the confidence that we have been saved by Him. And let us bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. Amen.